0: hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Merry Christmas. And as part of Christmas, we are going to spend the next month uh, talking about the best Christmas presents, holiday plans, and our favorite stories about Santa. Okay? But I bet you there was someone out there who went, oh, I'm looking forward to church now over this Christmas season. No, instead what we're going to do is we're going to spend our Sundays bowed at the feet of Jesus. As we come to Christmas, we reflect on what Jesus' coming means by looking at who Jesus is. The early stories of Jesus reveal his purpose all along. As we read the early stories, we see fresh takes on who Jesus is, and we've called this series Jesus Is. David, you may need to try and see if you can find that slide. I'm not sure if we've quite got it up, but uh, we'll see if we can find it. So Jesus is, and I'm sure you can finish that sentence in a number of great ways with really amazing statements. Jesus is life. Jesus is love. Jesus is hope. Jesus is our savior. And next week, our kids are going to do an amazing job telling us about some of those statements. But the challenge Warren and I have given ourselves is to try and finish the statement in the most unexpected ways, and the ways that maybe show us freshly what this is all about. And today my statement is this, Jesus is disruptive. Jesus is disruptive. From birth to death to resurrection to our world to eternity, Jesus does a lot of disrupting. Over the years, I've found there are two types of people in this world. There are those who like interruptions and those who don't. So a little survey for a second. Who says, I am someone who likes interruptions? Interruptions, rather. Yeah, I like interruptions. Uh, Who says, I don't like interruptions? I think we've got a mostly don't like interruptions type of people here. Interesting. Uh, If you are someone who doesn't like interruptions, you're probably someone who likes to focus on one thing at a time and get it done. If you're a parent, you probably find uh, interruptions, the most infuriating thing in the world, is your kids always interrupting you, right? Just when you get started on something. But I've got to be honest, in general, I'm in that first group. I quite like interruptions. I think they are opportunities to do something different, to have a good conversation or take a break from all that focus. But there are times when an interruption becomes something more. It turns from an interruption to a disruption. A disruption to your day, your week, or even your life. And as we read the early stories about Jesus, that's the word that comes to my mind. We see how disruptive he was. Think about these Christmas stories for a minute. What did it mean for these people to have Jesus come into Uh, their world. Here is a girl named Mary. She's engaged to be married. It was probably arranged by the families. She has her whole life set out before her. She'll be safe. She'll be loved. She'll be comfortable. Then pow, up pops this angel and says, surprise, life as you thought it would be is over. Hooray. That is more than an interruption. It's a disruption. Or, Or poor Joseph. Imagine all that he went through. He ended up having more dreams than his Old Testament namesake. And he had the Father, the Son of God, keep him safe, read him the Bible. You know, in the beginning, you created the heaven and the earth. No pressure, right? What a disruption. Or well, the wise men who travel for days, possibly even weeks or months, trying to get to Jesus. Jesus is disruptive. Let's look at one more example of this disruption. The shepherds, Luke chapter 2, tells their story. It says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. I mean, put yourself in the shoes of the shepherds. I'm not sure if they wore shoes, their moccasins, whatever it was. Put yourself in their place for a little bit. These guys didn't have a glamorous job. It was a lowly job, it was hard work. Imagine you spend your day looking after these sheep, moving them from one field to another, keeping them from falling off a hillside, leaving the 99 sheep to find that one sheep that wandered off, constantly checking to make sure that one of them was secretly not a wolf in sheep's clothing, Okay, I actually don't know what an ancient shepherd really did for their job, but I imagine it was hard work, right? They're staying in the fields around Bethlehem, guarding their sheep at night. It's been a long day. They're guarding and caring for their sheep. Maybe they've been sitting around a fire. Maybe they're chatting away. Maybe one is sleeping so he can get up for a watch later in the night. They would have been tired and ready for a break. And all of a sudden, this angel turns up. Disruption. By the way, my my wife Joanna once ran a Christmas drive through show in Auckland. It was a really big deal. People got to drive through different scenes. Once every 10 or 15 minutes, you'd have new people come to your scene in their cars or on the back of trucks and watch uh, the scene play out in an outdoor environment with full scenes and everything. And I was part of this scene for a couple of years. We had real sheep, and the shepherds would tell a few jokes. And then an actor dressed as an angel with the wings and the glittery face and everything, uh, he was in a harness and we would drop him from a tree. In the background there were some people on ropes that would drop this angel down safely from a tree and he'd say, don't be afraid. And the shepherds would run and they'd hide. It was great fun. But one thing I discovered in that process is that angels get cranky if you don't feed them regularly. Or if you ask them to stick to the script, for some reason, the angels always felt that they could take great liberties with the script. And all of a sudden, they were doing some sort of a pantomime, and you're like, we're trying to tell the Christmas story. Don't, but what we found out is if you try and tell the angels to stick to the script, or if you don't feed them often enough, if you go up to their tree and their perch up there and say, hey, can you just, they get cranky. Don't mess with the angels. And these angels were even more terrifying. What a a disruption it was. It says that the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And these shepherds could have quite rightly gone, Ah, we're sleeping. So the angel gets some reinforcements. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And there's something interesting about this story that I've only just seen this week as I was reading it again. Notice how nothing is actually asked of the shepherds. There's a proclamation given, but they aren't told. Hey, hey you've got to go. You've got to tell people. You've got to do something. They aren't actually told to do anything with the information they're given. They're just, they're just told. They could easily have treated the disruption like an interruption and got some sleep. And you go, well, we'll follow that up tomorrow. But they didn't. They knew that being disrupted from the life you thought you wanted, for the life that you're called to, must have a high priority. So in verse 15 it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. See, Jesus is disruptive. He turned these guys from sheep guarding field sitters to heralds of a new reality. They leave all of their sheep behind as they go into Bethlehem. The everyday ordinary life is at least for the moment completely forgotten and gone. It doesn't get much more disruptive than that. And that's what Jesus did all through his life. In our devotional notes this week, we track Jesus as he just keeps disrupting Peter and Paul, and then eventually he'll disrupt the whole world. He disrupts fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes. He really disrupts the religious leaders, the rulers of the time. He disrupted history. He split the timeline. Look, I I have a coin here. Uh, It still has the Queen's face on it. It's from 2006. And you look at that, and every time you see that, you go, 2006 years since what? 2006 since the calendar era began. And it's reckoned on the year that people thought Jesus was born. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, counting years from the start of this time. And that's what Jesus did. He split history in two. He disrupted the world as we know it. He disrupted people in his time. He disrupted history. Jesus is in the disruption business. And he also enjoys disrupting our lives, doesn't he? He wants to move you and me from the life we would choose for ourselves and set us on to a new way of doing life. But before you think we should hold something against Jesus for constantly disturbing people, let's remember that not all disruptions are bad. Imagine you're going on a train trip and the conductor comes on the line and tells you that they're going to change tracks and the journey will now take two hours longer. You might be a little bit upset about that until you hear later on that the reason they changed the tracks is because one of the bridges was broken. You wouldn't mind that disruption quite so much. Or imagine a radio show calls you in the middle of the day, asks you some sort of silly trivia question as they do, and you get it right, and they say, great, you've won a million dollars. That's the kind of disruption you can handle, right? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm working at the moment. I don't want to play your silly contest. No, you wouldn't do that. Or you get a call to say that you got the job. You're no longer out of work. Your life is changing. Those are the kind of disruptions that you might actually celebrate. The first is a disruption to prevent you from disaster and give you peace. The second is a disruption that will bring you great joy. The third is a disruption that will give you a new purpose. And that's what we see in this story. And that's what God longs to do with us. Peace. The angels told the shepherds that the coming of Jesus would bring peace on earth. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing in our world right now? Isn't that a great prayer to pray? Jesus brings peace. When Jesus enters your life, it is disruptive, but it is the pathway to a blessing of peace for all who accept it. It is him taking us away from the disastrous consequences of our sin, taking us on a new track, might not be the way we thought we were going, but it is a way to peace. And joy, knowing Jesus, is kind of like winning a million dollars, but it's kind of not. See, the buzz of massive winnings will probably give you more temporary pleasure, but the eternal delights of knowing God and sharing in his riches bring a joy that is as deep as it is endless. The path to the destination may be long, but when you find Jesus, the result is joy. And purpose. The shepherds were given a new job, proclaiming the newborn king. More than just being a shepherd. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Nothing wrong with an ordinary life. Do you notice at the end of the story that these shepherds, they actually go back to their flocks. But they go there, I think, with a new purpose. There's nothing wrong with an ordinary life. But there is something wrong with an apathetic life. A life without purpose. Knowing Jesus will change your life life purpose. But it might not change your job or other things externally. Jesus disrupts us in a way that puts a deep purpose behind everything that we do. So that's what we'll find if we accept the disruption he gives us. Peace and joy and purpose. And as I reflect on those things, I can see them in my life. I hope you can see them in yours. There are times when he's disrupted me. He saved me. When I, as an eight-year-old, made the decision to accept his forgiveness and trust in him as my Lord and Savior, he removed me from the life that was headed for disaster. When I was 13, I remember I had a classmate who was a a bit like me. It was kind of, you know, sometimes you meet someone who's like, you're kind of like me, but there's something different. He was like me in stature and uh, intelligence, you know, both very high. No, (laughs) but in popularity, mid-range on all things. But the difference was I looked at his life and I saw how he struggled. I could tell there was something different about me in the way I dealt with my life. I had a sense that it had nothing to do with me. We are the same in so many ways. Nothing to do with my character. Nothing to do with my goodness. The only thing I could put it down to, even as a 13-year-old, was my relationship with God. I knew I could cope with difficulties because Jesus was in my life. I was on a different train track and I had peace. Then there have been times that God has poured out the richness of His grace and He's poured His love on me. He has given me opportunities, but more than that, through times in His presence, I've experienced His Holy Spirit. And the joy of living from a relationship with God and living from His presence has been awesome. Then there has been this overwhelming purpose that gives me strength even in the ordinariness of life. So I see where he can use me, it allows me to live life with intentionality and to stay motivated. So let me ask you now, what about you? How has Jesus disrupted your life? How have you seen his reality? Have you allowed the reality of Jesus to become more than a passing interruption, like a bus that was delayed for 15 minutes? Have you allowed him to fully disrupt your life? Now, I'm sure what we could do is we could open the mic and have, pe- uh, have people share about the positive disruptions that Jesus has made for them. In fact, why not get along to your connect group this week and share some of those stories? It's encouraging to hear how God has intervened in our lives and what he has done for us and how we've responded. I think we need that encouragement sometimes. Because in the ordinariness of life, it's so easy just to go with the flow and forget that we have been changed, that we have been given peace, joy, and purpose. It's easy to find that comfortable rhythm of life, but Jesus calls us to something more. We need to allow the reality of Jesus to become more than a passing interruption, but a transforming moment in the story of our lives. What have we been disrupted from? Sin death, our own plans. (laughs) They're not good things to live for anyway. As we come to Christmas, we bow at the feet of Jesus and we remember who he is. We remember the way that he saved us and it draws us into worship. We should stand and say, thank you, Jesus, for your disruption. Amen? Thank you for doing something in my life. Thank you for changing me and making me your child. Thank you for making our lives much better than they would otherwise be, for your grace and your mercy, for the joy that you place into our lives, for the peace and the purpose. God, help us to step away from that kingdom of comfort where we can just get on with life and we can be quite happy. Help us to see that we are built for so much more. That Jesus' coming means our life is worth so much more. And as we follow him, we will see him disrupt us, not us, but also with opportunities to bring this peace, this joy, and this purpose to others. We need to make sure we're ready for these opportunities. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and cancelling our plans and sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with our more important tasks. In doing so, we disdain God's crooked yet straight path. I'm going to be honest, I had one of those weeks this week. That it was challenging to get all the things done that I wanted to. There were so many disruptions. But as I look back at the week, I find that the things that gave me the most pleasure, the things that mattered the most, were the disruptions. They were the things that God was really calling me to do. It doesn't matter if we don't get everything done. Sometimes it's the time that we spend with people that is the most meaningful, It's the most impacting for them and for us. That's what it means to live for Jesus. So will you let Jesus disrupt you? This week, when you're out and about, when you're doing life, and a moment comes, it might be your kids, it might be someone else in your life, and you go, oh, You know, I would do that, but it's kind of disruptive. Just sit and ask, Jesus, maybe, is this you? Are you calling me to maybe be involved and to do something here? Don't burn yourself out, but just look for Jesus within it. Be aware of the disruptions and see if it's him giving you the opportunity to be involved in what he's got for you. There may be others who need you more than anything you've got to do. So we're going to finish this morning by taking communion together. So I want to ask, uh, could those who are distributing communion this morning, could you please come and distribute? Just hang on to the bread and hang on to the cup, and we will take communion together in a few moments' time as we reflect on Jesus and all that he's done for us. And as we gather around the communion table this morning... We remember that it's not just that Jesus' coming was disruptive to us. Think for a moment about how Jesus' coming was disruptive to him. Think about what it meant for Jesus to come, for Jesus to uh, do everything that he did. Thank you very much. Hebrews 12 expresses this so well, reflecting on Jesus and how we might go about living in the light of his disruption. It says this, Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. What a disturbance. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated and the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you, you won't become weary and give up. To live the life he has called us to live, we need to remember how willingly he disrupted his existence. Here is the perfect and eternal son of God, the creator of everything that has been made. He gives up his divine privileges, takes the position of a slave, and is born as a human being, enduring the cross with all of the pain and shame that's associated with it. How much more disruption can you get? Why did he do it? Because he he knew that at the end of that road was peace for all people was joy that will last forever was a purpose that will go on for all eternity like the person who puts up a picture of the holiday destination to remember why they're saving in the first place Jesus set this all before him and said I must go to the cross and he did it for you and he did it for me to bring us into his presence so that we can join with the angels and sing glory to God in highest heaven. That's the purpose he's called us to. And that is the motivation we now have to respond to the disruptions that he causes us. That we might turn from sin, receive his grace, and live for his purpose.